Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to another edition of your favorite podcast. It's Rich Wilson here. This week's guest, uh, oh man, you'll find, I'm not going to spoil it in the intro actually, I'm going to, you'll find out, you'll see what happens in the, in, in the, in the, uh, in the episode uh, with my, my, this week's guest, Mike Fenton Stevens, um, fabulous actor, you would have seen him in all manner of things, uh, most recently I saw him in Ghosts uh, and he was brilliant in that, but you would have seen him in all manner of things and um, so I did I'd been doing tour support for the brilliant Angela Barnes and we did Tunbridge Wells, the, the Trinity Theatre. If you've never been, go to the Trinity Theatre and have the Rocky Road because I'm telling you now, it was the best Rocky Road I've ever had. Still thinking about it. I'm still thinking about it now and that was weeks ago. It was, it was, just, it was sensational. I even mentioned it on stage. I was like, in the interval, go and get some Rocky Road. It will change your life. It was, it was, oh, moist it's crunchy oh go and get some of that anyway that's how it's trinity here um and mike fenton stevens was in the audience and then afterwards he messaged and said um would you come on my podcast my time capsule and i mean when you see the guests that he's had on there i was blown away like stephen fry david mitchell caroline quentin ross noble lee mack arabella weir rob bryden i mean what esteemed company to be amongst. I was like, of course, I'd absolutely love to be on that. Um, and because he lives in Tunbridge Wells, I'm like, you know what? Do you want to come down to the studio? Come and come and meet producer Paul. We're down there in Tunbridge Wells on old Castle Street. Why don't you come down and we'll record your podcast and then you can record an episode of He Said in the Membrane. So that's what we did. And that's where we're at today. So that's what we've been doing. Honestly, what a fantastic human being. He is Michael Fenton Stevens. Fantastic. We could have chatted away for ages. We've practically lived very similar lives, almost like 20 years apart. You'll find out. You'll find out in the episode. Also, our new podcast uh, with my wonderful wife Kate McGann. Never mind the age gap. Uh, the trailer is up now on our um, in, uh, Insane Membrane uh, channel. Uh, we're also going to put up the first episode as well. So that's coming out. So go and have a listen to that. There's also a video there. Um, and it's, it's a lovely chat with my very funny wife. She's a funny, funny lady. Uh, and you'll just see, you'll be able to see how how much I'm punching. So go and have a look. That's really cool. That's on our Insane Membrane uh, uh, channel over on YouTube. And the, the first episode will be out now. The trailer's on there. Go and have a look. Also, but please don't panic with my mate Wellsy. That's out now. 
Um, I can't remember what we're on to now. 12, maybe 10 episodes. The latest one is uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Uh, so go and have a look at that. That's Wellesy and I just chatting shit about all the all the, the movies that we watch, all the ones that you probably wouldn't have a look at, but we love for various reasons. Go and have a look at that. So that's a, that's the that's our Halloween special this week. So go and have a listen to that. Um, and bless old Wellesy, she wasn't well, she was unwellsy, and uh, I'll keep saying it. I'm so because I think I'm so funny. Um, but she still managed to do it. She still pushed herself, got herself out there, managed to to record the episode. She's a trooper. Good old Wellesy. So that's out now. Never mind the age gap is out now. And now you've got this one. And we are coming up to our fifth birthday, which is in February. So I'm going to be at the Black Horse in Aylston doing uh, Insane in the Membrane Live with a very special guest. So keep them peeled for that. Um, I've got my new show and uh, the uh, the Leicester Comedy Festival as well. That's coming up next year. So keep an eye on my socials. Uh, So join me on I Am Rich Wilson on Instagram and X if you're still on there. I kind of use it now and again. I do it for this, but I'm not really on there very much. much. Facebook, obviously, threads and wherever you get your social media from. So jump up, give us a look. If not, uh, my my website, richwilsoncomedian.com, all my dates are on there. So have a look at that. You can see exactly what we're all doing as well. All the things will be connected. So it's all in one place. Go and have a look at that. Link tree in the bio. Click on that. That'll take you. It, Producer Paul has made it very, very easy for you to find what we're doing. So if you haven't found us yet, then that's on you because it's there. It's there. It's so easy to do. One click and you're there. So join us. All right. Okay. Advertising over. Let's get on with the podcast. So coming up in a minute is Michael Fenton Stevens. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, here we are, inside in the membrane. And welcome to Mike Fenton-Stevens. Oh, I'm going to say it, I know I said it when you came in, but it is surreal. Being in, I've been in comedy, I've been in, in, in the comedy world for, I don't know, over about 22 years. Mm. In that time, I've met all manner of people 
that I've seen in films and TV. And it's still, when I meet people like you, I'm like, oh, it's really surreal to have you sat in front of me. When I've seen you in so many things, yeah, I suppose it's a face that you get used to, isn't it? Yeah, you, you sort of go, and also you would have seen me in roles, mm. not me. No, and so it's that thing of where you go. Well, I don't. I know your, that face well because I've seen it in lots of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know anything about you. Exactly. And and then uh, you know, hopefully, I'll be a surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is it. It was. It was. It was. Through, so so when we did. We did the gig with Angela Barnes, mm -hmm. lovely Angela Barnes, and she did mention. She said, "Oh, Mike's going to be in." Uh, okay, who's Mike? She said, Mike Fenton Stevens. I went, ah, yeah, oh, amazing. Nice. So it's been lovely. I'm so glad you could come down and have a chat. No, I'm, um, I'm delighted. It's lovely. Yeah, my wife's at home looking after my granddaughter, so you know, oh, lovely. I get a break. There you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, we won't keep you for too long. It's uh, it's a, it's a chat. It's like mental health is the chat. Mm. But it, you know, this is what I've said to so many people. A lot of, th a lot of things, a lot of ways that you help, you can help with your mental health is just yeah. by having a chat with someone, and just uh, getting out of the house, absolutely, having a conversation. Yeah, yeah. I think that talking things through is something that we were not brought up to no, do. No, not at all. We were not. This is nobody talked about these things. You know, I mean, I think about my parents' generation. My dad had an argument about something with his one of his brothers. Mm. So there were seven of them in the family. And because he had an argument with my dad, my dad was sort of, the, in a way, the mentor of that group of brothers and sisters. Yeah. He was the oldest. Uh, once he's old, He had an older brother, but he died quite a long way before that. Right. So my dad was also the man who really looked after them. He was, he'd, he'd, in a way, brought them up. He'd become a solicitor, so he'd become very successful. Mm. And he he looked after them. He made sure they were okay. And he kept them all together. Then he had an argument with one of his younger brothers. And for years, he wouldn't talk to him. Wow. And it's not that my dad wouldn't talk to him. His brother went, no. Mm. And he used to invite him to family get-togethers. No, don't want to come. Just wouldn't have it. And he, it was wow. really weird. And I remember how painful that was for my dad. Yeah. You could see it was painful. And actually, when they got back together again which was when we threw a party for for my... We had an Uncle Charlie, who in the 60s did that thing that a lot of working-class Londoners did, where mm. they um, he basically took the money and got on the boat and went to Australia. Right, yes, of course. And there was a farewell party with all the brothers and sisters and all, all my... dozens and dozens of cousins and all their girlfriends, mm. and, you know, just huge. We have great big halls full of my family. Wow. And... Uh, I think I was probably about eight or nine. And I really remember it well because I've never seen so many people cry for so long. They just stood in this place. Every song that came on reminded them of something. Mm. They hugged each other. They kissed and cried wow. because he was going. And that was it. And back then it was... Uh, Australia. Yeah. You're never going to see him again. No. And uh, and then on my dad's... Um, for my dad's 70th birthday... We threw a party, and my mum got in touch with his brother who was in Australia, Charlie, and said, could you come over for it? Mm. And he said, I can't afford it. My mum said, I'll give you the money. Right. So from her own savings, yeah. she paid for him to come over. Wow. And then she got in touch with the other brother, who hadn't spoken to my dad for years, and said, you've got to come. Mm. And he turned up. And then from being eight to being sort of, I don't know, 50 or 40-ish, 40, well, yeah. 
that reunion of those people was astonishing. Really? I mean, again, yeah. they all stood and just hugged and cried and, mm. and sang and got drunk and, you know, then we all danced all night. It was fantastic. But I, I've, I remember thinking at the time, how ridiculous it's taken this long. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that's the thing. It, some people are just so... They get, and it gets to a point where they might not... It, it goes on for so long they feel they can't. Yeah. Not back down, but they can't well, there is out. that element. There is yeah. that element of feeling, you know, if I do, then everything I've done before now is ridiculous. Mm. And I don't want to be ridiculous for that long. Of course, yeah. You know, you, you think to yourself, well, if I now say, look, it doesn't matter, all I want to do is see you mm. or be with you, you know, or, or I miss you, then, in fact, you know, all that ignoring people or not ringing them makes you look daft. Yeah. So people don't. No. I, do you know what? It's one of the, one of the most freeing things I've ever done is admit I was wrong yeah and apologise and it, I couldn't believe the feeling of relief yeah where I'd spent years and years and years and I still do it sometimes every now and again mm -hmm. I'll be like well it's not me it's not me and then I'll go ah it was me yeah and I did it to producer Paul I had a, I'd had a day and I'd said something and then it wasn't until later on I went oh that was actually me and shit, oh, yeah. And so, but that and to learn to do it almost yeah, instantly, yeah, yeah. To do it, yeah. just walk out the room, slam the door, turn around, walk back in, and say sorry, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean that. That was stupid. What a yeah. ridiculous thing to say. And nine times out of ten, people will go, yeah, fair enough, okay, and it's gone, yeah. You know, yeah, no, no. As a young man, those uh, that thing of I can't be wrong, or I can't admit to being wrong. Mm. I remember having a friend round for drinks when it went on we all got a bit too drunk and then we talked about something and quite often those conversations are about things that neither of us really know anything about right yeah neither of us are experts on them mm. but we happen to have you know fallen into a viewpoint that is contrary to the other person right yeah. whereas i say no i don't think that's how it is and it's Exactly those phrases. I don't think. I you know. Mm. Thinking about it now, having never thought about it before, I think this is true. <laughs> yeah. And then I will fight for that corner mm. to the point where my very good friend headbutted me. Oh wow! Right. He, he yeah. just suddenly went. Oh, for fuck's sake! And he just leant over the table, glasses everywhere, and went bang. Oh my god! And I went, Jesus Christ! Yeah. Everybody, what the? F yeah, it was yeah, really yeah. weird. And then he he walked out. Fuck. And I thought to myself, I remember at the time thinking, well, I can never, ever talk to him again. No. And then I did. Right, okay. Because I went to him and said, do you know, that's my fault. Wow. That's my fault. I just kept hammering on about the fact that I was right and you yeah. were wrong. And what really upset him was, thinking back on it now, is that his daughter mm. had sided with him, as they would do. Right, right. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So, Dad... And uh, and I'd said, well, what do you know about it, uh, uh, young person? Yeah, uh -huh. and he just went, don't talk to my daughter like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If she it. was right, yeah, I deserved it. I really, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Being yeah. in a similar situation years ago, like you and I, we've discussed earlier, grew up in the same place, went to the same places, basically lived the same lives. <laughs> Amazing, maybe yeah. fifteen, twenty years apart. Yeah. Um, and I remember being in the White Hart in Orpington, and <laughs> a friend of mine was was now in a relationship with an ex ex girlfriend of mine. Yeah, and and he came in when her and I were still talking to each other, 
and he just said, I'm not happy about that. And I stupidly said, well, I could have it whenever I want, mate. And uh, I don't even know why I said it. No. I was a bit pissed or whatever it was. And he just looked at me and he went, right, over the priory now. Yeah. I went, I'm not going over there. I'll do it here. And he just punched me in the pub. Oh. <laughs> Knocked me off my feet. And he went, and he just walked out. And it wasn't until years later. And I was like, yeah, that was me. That was totally me. Mm. I was an absolute asshole. I should have just gone, yeah, fair enough, mate. And we'd grown up together, he and I. He's not around anymore, bless him. Um, Ronnie, bless his heart. And he just, yeah, he was right. Well, uh, I should go, have said that. What a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah. What is that? What am I trying to do for myself there? Exactly. I mean, I know the problem is that not admitting those things to yourself, mm. that can really screw you up. You talk about mental health. You yeah. talk about your mental well-being. You can spend ages brewing on those things mm-hmm. and constantly keep trying to persuade yourself that you've done nothing wrong. Yeah. Was it much easier to to reanalyze it, to turn it around? I really think that it's it's a crucial thing in the world. I think yeah. too many people, I mean, if you look at politics, you look at nation against nation, that whole thing of we're right, you're wrong, yes. and we have the right on our side. Yeah. And, and if only people would just stop for a moment looking at what the other people are doing and look at what they're doing. Yeah. I think that they would go, oh, hang on a minute, this is not me. I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Why, why am I doing that? And, and when it comes to nations, they, they, don't, they don't think of themselves as individuals. They think of themselves as quite something. It's why the state has the right to, to execute people. Mm. And you go, but would you do it? Would you do that yourself? No, exactly. It's, 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 this is the thing with human beings. They get caught up in the power and the, and the need to be top dog and right. Yeah. And as you say, it's like, if you just chill out a bit and have a look at what's at, what the real issues are, I'm sure we get along. We get a bit further yeah. along, especially with the planet the way it is. We're all, like we've talked before, we're all fundamentally the same wherever you are in whichever corner of the world. If we all just took, took a step back a bit and just went, do you know what? The way we're going, this planet is just going to shake us off. Yeah. So all of us bickering about who's who's in charge of what and who's got this and who's got most <laughs> Who deserves of most, yeah. Yeah. The planet's going to go, do you know what? You're all horrible. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm tired of you lot. Yeah. So, brr, Including all those people who've really worked hard and tried hard Inclu- to make it good. Because we all get lumped in, like you we just would. said. Yeah. Would you... Would you Condone executing that person. Yeah, if you knew this, that if you threw a, a piece of plastic into the sea and at that moment a dolphin died mm. in front of you, would you do it? Yeah, exactly. No, you wouldn't. No, of course you wouldn't. Yeah, you'd go. I'm not throwing that. The dolphin will die. Yeah, they're lovely things. Look at it. You know. So, but you because you detach yourself from it, mm-hmm. you don't accept the responsibility of it. No, and that's this is what's happening, though, isn't it? It's it's. This is why I've, I can't, like I said, I can't look at the news anymore. No. I've just kind of gone, I can't. It just makes me sad. It just it just makes me sad. And, you know, I just, there's all this, like the minute all the conflict is going on and, mm. I'm, and I'm just like, do you know what? I stand with every innocent person yeah. that's getting caught up on either side, on yes, all yes, sides. Cause there's, and I can understand the, the anger on both sides. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. And, and what needs to happen is for them to understand the anger on both sides, is to yeah. not just be angry themselves, is yeah. to look at why are you so angry? Why are you so fucked up with me yeah. all the time? Oh, you know, this has gone on for generations, forever. Mm. We, as a people, have always hated you. Why? Yeah. Why? 
Yeah. I don't even know you. No, I know. But it comes down to, like, it feels like football. Like, yeah, yeah. Again, it's like, why are you fighting? Yeah. It's like, I get it, your rival teams or whatever you are. I've had that with football. Yeah. I've had that, that, in a way, conversion. I, for years, was a dedicated football fan. My younger brother is an absolute dyed-in-the-wall Crystal Palace fan. Right. He goes to every game he can. He's mm. home and away. Loves them. Now, that's a great thing. But he hates everybody else, particularly those teams that traditionally would win. Right, right, so he right. really hates Man United. Yeah. Now, I was born in 1958 just around the time of the Munich air disaster my oh, of course, near Millwall yeah. football ground and my dad switched allegiance he became a Man United fan mm. because of it and he brought me up to, to follow Man United so wow. it's in my blood I, yeah. I, I do and for years I've been the same sort of fan you know and my son-in-law says to me that's the joy of football the joy of football is that you love your team but you also have teams that you hate and I right. say do you know I've really got out of that point now yeah. I'm really past that thing Apart yeah. from Chelsea. <laughs> well, you're going to love this then. <laughs> so my best friend, Tom, who grew up uh, Brow Crescent on the Ramsden Estate. So I've known Tom, oh, blimey, since I was three. Mm -hmm. so practically all my life. So he's like a brother. And him, his family, his family's family, my mum's side of the family, my youngest son, they are all Chelsea fans. <laughs> um so yeah, I don't know. so I, so when I was growing up, I wasn't. I tried to be into football. I've said this many times. When I was in the eighties, a lot of my friends were all gooners, so we'd go to Highbury, mm -hmm. and this is when you could, you know, ring up. Can we would go football? Yeah, yeah. that's four quid. Yeah, and you know, we'd go and do that. So then there was Arsenal was in my life, and Chelsea was in my life, and then my dad's uh, midlife crisis was Millwall. He just used to he used to come back a bit flustered. <laughs> like, all right, Dad, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, he's a civil servant as well, so he's quite the oh my word. juxtaposition. So, so football's always been around. So now I'm older. I don't. If I had a team, I think it would be Palace. Yeah, because that's where I was born in Bromley Hospital, and I, where I remember the first place we lived was Crystal Palace on Palace Road. So I think I have that affinity with that club, hmm. but I just couldn't. And he just didn't speak to me, no, and it no. just didn't connect. No, I think you know, in a way, I've, uh, for years I sort of envied people who mm. could just watch a match and go, "Oh well, oh they're doing well. I hope they win." Yeah. And you go, well, you, "You haven't chosen a team. You're not <laughs> decided to be on one it, side or the other." Did it annoy you? Because I know, I know people that I've sat watching football with. Kevin Bridges was the last time it happened. <laughs> I was sat with Kev, and he loves his football. And the, the tour manager went, oh, yeah, go and sit with Kev, watch the football before the, before the show starts. And I was in there for about 10 minutes, and I could feel him getting annoyed. I'm like, I'm going to go. Mm -hmm. I'll see you in a minute. And so when you're when you're an avid football fan, you're sat with someone who doesn't... Doesn't care. It must be... Just, it, it annoys you, doesn't it? it yeah, well, it did. <laughs> it used to. But, you know, I mean, I'm getting to the point now. I, I watched... Uh, I watched half of a game between Man United mm. and Man City the other day. Yeah. And I got, it got to half-time, and I thought... Do I want to spend another 45 minutes watching this? No, I don't really care that much. No. I really didn't. And I, it's, right. it's funny, isn't it? I've fallen yeah. out of love with it because I, I've fallen out of love with the emotion of it, as it were. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think it's because... I'm going to go... Be, you're going to go... Now be, yeah, go we have discussed before that we were, we were born in the same area. We were. We, we grew up in the same place. We went to the same junior school and, and senior yeah, school, which, which is, is quite extraordinary. We didn't know it. this at all no. until today. <laughs> Now, you've just said that your dad went back. He had a sort of midlife crisis, went back to Millwall. Is that mm. because he came from Bermondsey? No. 
No, no, not at all. My dad, my dad grew up sort of Chislehurst, right around there. Went to Cooper's School, yeah. Um, and his family come from the West Country, so they're from Newton Abbott, right down there in Devon. And my mum's side of the family are from Brixton and Camberwell and Tulse Hill and around there. So no connection, with no that. connection whatsoever. How so I don't. Just, you just wanted to be hated by everyone. You just wanted to be hated by everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm too popular. Yeah, I think I'm going to support Millwall. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get out. out of the blue. <laughs> so I remember we didn't really grow up with football. I mean, rugby was always on. Mm. And I remember, or I do remember, I said this the other day, we were watching the, a bit of the the the, uh, the World Cup, or whatever it was. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what it's called. I don't know what it's called. There was the, it was South Africa v uh, New Zealand. Yeah. And uh, I was watching a bit of that. And I, don't, and I just remember from when I was a kid, is it Eddie Waring? Mm-hmm. And he's always like, that's all I remember <laughs> from when I was a kid. <laughs> But it was always that, or there was always sort of. I think I think he went through a West Ham phase, maybe. Uh, what was his name? Malcolm McDonald, right? So I remember he was around. But then there was JPR Williams, the rugby player. Mm-hmm. So, so in I, fact, he was following certain people. Th- he was following certain people, yeah. And then the first football sticker I ever had was Vince Hilaire for Palace, right? So it's always been around, yeah. But, but then he, never obsessed. Not really. No. No. No, I think that, well, if you're talking about staying mentally stable, that's a yeah. good thing. <laughs> I've always had music. Music's yeah. been the one. See, I love sport. Yeah. I really enjoy the process of sport. I love watching mm. people compete. And I love watching people achieve extraordinary things, which yeah. they can do. Which is why my wife has led me. When I say my wife has led me, mm. my wife has really led me. Right. I met my wife when I was three days before my 21st birthday. The first night I, I sat with her and talked, I said to her, I don't remember doing this, but she told me that I said to her, when we get married, mm. which would put most people off, mm-hmm. but she clearly saw the possibility. So we've been together for a long, long time, and everything that I am now, I owe to her. Wow. She has changed me, which, mm. you know, people say, oh, you can't, just don't marry someone and change them. She's done it in such a patient, you know, caring mm. way. She has, over a long time, just put up with me wow. and the things I've done. And I've argued many times, well, I can't help it. It's just it's the way I am. Yeah. And she goes, well, you don't have to be that way. <laughs> and uh, finally, that argument has got through, and I've realised that actually there are lots of things that I... I grew up in a very argumentative household. Mm. There were fights and arguments going on oh, all the time. Okay. People w- w- would jump down each other's throat at the slightest thing. Mm-hmm. My mother was a very angry woman all her life. I don't really know why. I think it's because she was scared. Right, yeah. She was scared of lots of things. She was. She, she didn't like people standing up and, don't embarrass me. Oh, Those God, things. yeah, instant shame. There was In, a lot, yeah, 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 Terrible, yeah. terrible things, you know. So she didn't have a... She hadn't had a happy childhood at all, not a loving childhood. She found it very difficult to demonstrate love. Mm. She clearly did love all of us, yeah. but at the same time found it more, much more easy to fall into the trap of, of well, just keep your room tidy, keep quiet, mm. don't be naughty. And any of that, if any of that isn't done, I, I will punish you. Yeah. So well, I grew yeah. up in a household full of smacking and, uh, in fact, even whipping. Oh, you know, wow. Belts what? and things like that, you know, stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was really... Strange. I have a very, very strong image of uh, of being a tiny child when we lived. I was first born in Bermondsey. Mm, that's why I met. Okay, right, right. So right. we moved when I was uh, I was five or six. Yeah, mm. and um, this is so around by the was around by the blue. 
Does he remember yeah, the blue? Yeah, not far from the blue. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, my uncle had a jeweller shop there for years. Oh, right. and all my family all stayed there afterwards, but we moved out. And uh, I remember my father coming home. Uh, it was around the time my father was a solicitor, and at around that time he was uh, defending Christine Keeler oh. in her perjury. Yeah, trial. yeah, yes. yeah, the Profumo thing. Yeah. Yeah, wow. And so he was spending a lot of time with her, which my mum... You know, I used to, we used to wake up hearing great rows about you've been out with that tart again and all that <laughs> sort of thing. He'd say, I'm working, I'm working well, for it. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose you've been drinking. But she goes to clubs. I've got, yeah. I have to look after her. You know, it was that sort of thing. Anyway, how that sticks in your mind when you hear that at four mm. and it stays there. But I remember my, my mother they all often did the thing of, right, when your father comes home, you're going to get a thrashing. And you would think that would be a sort of threat that would make you just there to stop doing mm. things. But I remember my father waking me up uh, and I'd never seen my father cry. And he woke me up and he was crying. And I, I because as a small child, you wake mm. up and you look up and you go, ah, oh. because oh. he used to come home late from work. Yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. see him often in the evenings during the week. So it was a lovely treat, but he was crying because he knew he had to oh, smack me. Oh my God. Had to wake me up bend over his knee and smack me. And that's going to stay with you forever. It, it has. Yeah. It has. And uh, it, I remember as a young parent making those similar sort of mistakes, falling back into those mm. traps of, of feeling that, you know, that that your instinct goes to where you've been brought up yeah, rather yeah, than yeah, of what you know is right. Yeah. You know, my, uh, I have another memory of my father... Um, knowing that I was at the top of the stairs because he'd go to your room, get mm. to your room. And I was just at the start and gone into my room, but I was sitting at the top of the stairs. And he came out into the hallway uh, and picked the phone up and dialed the phone. But obviously he'd put his hand back down so right, it yeah. wasn't connected to anything. And then he went, yeah, hello, yeah, is that the children's home? Yeah, now I've got a naughty boy here. Uh, when could you collect him? Knowing what? that I was hearing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I, I ran out of the house. I remember running up bare feet, uh, socks, yeah. and, and it was raining and just uh, my feet and went running off like that. Um, my mum came running after me saying, it, it, he didn't mean it, he didn't mean it. You know, but it, it was, he felt that it was a good way to... to yeah, you know, that's how they were brought up. Exactly. I remember my, my dad... Yeah, my dad, my mum and dad are brilliant. They, 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 we, we didn't want for anything when I was growing up. Uh, and they're brilliant now. Mm. But... There was that that anger. My dad had a very, his mum was awful, so my dad was brought up very similar to your mum. That kind of no love. No, he started. My dad said he said your nan was made of granite, and she didn't like boys, so always punishing him. Mm -hmm. But his sisters could just do whatever, and he, he just remembers being stood in the corner all the time. Yeah, and just and just you know, and then that again they they're kind of trying to filter out that when they become parents but obviously some of it comes in yeah yeah I mean but obviously you, they know. thought well, what else do you do with yeah, kids yeah, you know yeah. how do you I mean people still use that argument how do you control a classroom if you can't hit mm. them well you, you find there are way. other ways yeah. teachers do it yeah you know you do and it by engaging them for a start exactly exactly and this is what's happening now so we went to a nursery uh, yesterday or not before just to go and have a look because we've got a baby on the way and he's not going to be there for another year, but it's like a forestry thing. Mm. And they were talking about, like, we've just found that the best thing to do is talk about things that the kids are interested in. Absolutely. And if you'd have done that when we were at school, yeah. you know, I didn't care about, 
the Normans and uh, I no. wasn't interested. Well, you well, might have yeah. been if they approached it a certain yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, there are all maybe. sorts of things you can make anything interesting, I think, if you, if you tell the story right. You know, I, uh, somebody said to me once, can you come and, uh, you know, as an actor, one of the teachers said, you, you wouldn't want to come and sort of read to the kids, would you? Mm. I said, yeah, yeah, fine. I'm, so I'm doing a show in the evening, so I'm free all day. And she went, great, all right. So they normally have a book reading at about, you know, at three o'clock for the last 15 minutes of school. I said, yeah, okay, fine. Wow. And I turned up and uh, she said, we're reading this at the moment. I said to them, Do you, uh, shall I read this? Or should I read something else? And they said, we don't like that, sir, they called me. Right. And I said, okay. Uh, I said, well, look, I brought a book here uh, by Roald Dahl, which is called uh, Danny Champion of the World. I mm. said, it's got just a bit in it. I'll read you a bit of it. I said, because I bet you if I read you this bit, you'll want to hear the rest of it. Yeah. And I read him the bit where basically Danny's dad hasn't come home. Right. He's been off poaching. And Danny realizes he has to go to the woods to find him. So he drives his dad's car right. to the woods, and at one point a police car passes him, and he, you know, it's it's a the mm. way it's written, it's a fantastically exciting. It's just one chapter <laughs> of him driving from his house to the woods to find his dad, and it's really thrilling. Yeah, and the teacher said to me, "Oh, that, no, that's too complicated. They weren't because they were only the you know beginning okay. class, but they were absolutely yeah. mouths open, <laughs> staring at me." Because it's how you read it. Exactly. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And it's it's a way you approach a thing. Yeah. I've, I've done a lot of things for kids over the years. I think the people really... I never. There are many things that I say that other people go, no, that's not right. But, for example, I think that when a small child comes up to, to a table or something, you're all having dinner mm -hmm. or you're having lunch or something and parents and adults are all talking and telling yeah. jokes and somebody's in the middle of a very funny anecdote and a child walks in and goes, Mum... I think you should all stop. Yeah. Because I think their thing is much more important than your thing. And also, you've learnt the ability to pick that back up again. Exactly. Whereas this child, at that moment, has something it wants to ask its mother. Yeah. And I think you should attend to it. Yeah. So, you know, lots of people say, no, 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 you're just spoiling children. Get too much as it is. They're, we pay too much attention to our children. Right. You know, they mm. get too many things. I don't think you can ever do that. No. I think if you sat and with a child and said to them what else do you want to talk about yeah 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 all day long yeah. they would do it and it could be anything anything there's that brilliant thing it, there was a thing again on the internet and it just said um what do you do if a child hands you a toy phone mm -hmm. like you answer the phone of course you do <laughs> and i love that it's so simple yeah yeah but we grew up in the as we said we grew up in the same area I always wanted to be in a band. I always wanted to do this and the other. But it was always, I just didn't know, I wasn't surrounded by any of that. So I didn't know anybody in bands and things no. like that. So it never really occurred to me that I could do it myself. Mm -hmm. So I didn't. It wasn't until much later on I got into comedy when I'd moved away. But where did it come from for you to become an actor? My dad wanted to be a performer and right. sort of was a performer, really. Although he was a solicitor, a very successful solicitor, he tried to be a stand up comedian when he came out of the army didn't quite work mm. and then he needed to earn money so he trained and got this job and um but he continued to perform all his life he loved performing and i've got two brothers and neither of them really have picked up on it although my younger brother now does this fantastic charity thing every year where they just basically do cover versions of songs and he gets up and Brilliant. belts them out you know and he loves it and it's fabulous but um i i very early on 
watched him on stage and thought, I want to get up there as well. Yeah. You know, so at the age of seven or eight, I was standing up and singing little sweet soprano ah. songs and, you know, bless this house and stuff. And I probably loved adulation. Mm. That's probably what it was. I don't yeah. know. But uh, I love people paying attention to me, maybe. It's a, a very selfish thing. <laughs> and uh, I watched him do it, and then I became more like him, and, I, and my voice broke, and I learned to sing. We sang in the choir together. And that's where I got the... I remember very early on him we would turn up at places. We'd turn up at these working men's clubs and he would go on and, and do half an hour. Right. And I would say to him, you know, then he'd, he'd pull me on and then we had different things we would do. For example, in that situation, I would come on and say, you know, I remember at a holiday camp once, him entertaining for ages and ages. Yeah. The blokes used to take the week off when my dad turned up. <laughs> and uh, he was on there for about eight of he said, he said, when I get to the fourth song, he said, I'm just about to start it. He said, I'll, I'll finish the song and then, then I'll go into a joke. And you come on and you pull my jacket, mm. all right? And then you say to me, yeah, Dad. I said, shush, shush, I'm entertaining the people. They don't want to see you. Go on, off you go. <laughs> and they'd go, yeah, let him talk. All right, what is it? And I'd say, have you seen what my brother's doing in the swimming pool? And he said, ah, it's all right. All, all little boys do that in the swimming pool. <laughs> and I'd say, yeah, but not from the top diving board. <laughs> And then he'd go, yeah, all right, yeah, so yeah. I suppose you want to sing, do you? And then I'd be on. It would be my turn. Brilliant. So I, I That's had where it that. Came from. Thing. Then, of course, you know, but how do you do that? I, I, unfortunately, I went through that process of, of, of actually going to the sixth form at Ramsden right. and doing my A-levels and then thinking I wanted to be a lawyer like mm. my dad, starting to do that and thinking rather than do this through articles, I will go to university. So I applied for university, went off to university, and uh, and then absolutely fell in love with performing. But it gave me that just walking on and doing it sense yeah. gave me such confidence and such a, a lack of fear of going wrong. Right. You know when you say, uh, I said but my mother was always terrified of being embarrassed. Yeah. I've never been frightened of being embarrassed. Really? I don't find embarrassment, I find embarrassment amusing. Wow. So if it's me, I think, well, this must be funny. Yeah. <laughs> I get crushed instantly. Do you? Yeah, instant shame. It really is. A, it really gets in the way. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh. It does get in the way. Yeah. It really does. And people say to me, you don't get embarrassed about it. You don't care, do you? I go, what is going to happen to me? Some people think I'm silly. Yeah. Or stupid. That's all. People who don't even know me who might look at me and go, well, he's a bit daft. Or I will have done something because I've not been embarrassed and had the nerve to do it, where people go, that was brilliant. Right. Wow. Yeah. You just stood up and did that thing. It was great. You know, so my dad had that. And yeah. it, that came from that. I learned that from him, that, that lack of, you know, just go in and do it. Just have a go. And that's the thing. So many people say, oh, I'd really like to do that. Go and do it. Go and do it. Go and do it. There are so many, and it's so much easier to find places where you can do Absolutely. whatever it is you want to do. And it doesn't have to be the National Theatre no. if you want to be an actor. It doesn't have to be Live at the Apollo. If you're going yeah, to be yeah, a stand-up, yeah. do it in a little bar somewhere, yeah. but just do it. Just do it. Exactly. It's just that fear. And as you've just pointed out, that fear of being embarrassed and looking stupid. Going wrong. It doesn't matter, does it? No. You're so right. Uh, the times on stage where things have gone wrong are the most memorable and most enjoyable for mm. me. The times when things fall apart and an audience goes, oops. Yeah. And you, you know, uh, other actors on stage will go into panic 
oh my God, this is not supposed to happen. We've rehearsed this. We're supposed to be doing this properly. I will turn to an audience and go, that wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> anyway, where should we go back? Should we go back a bit and see if we can do it? Give another run at it and then we can pick it up maybe. You know, And this could be in the middle of a very serious play I've done this. Yeah. And the audience go, I say, all right, all right, I'll tell you what. Yeah, I'll go back. We'll go back to that bit. All right. And, people, you, and then I say, yeah. you know, watch the skill of this. This is amazing because this is, this is me. And any minute now, I'm going to switch back into that character. It's just fantastic. That's what we do. That's what we do. And, and then they're all on your side. You go back, yeah. you go back into it and you carry on. You get past the point you went wrong. Round of applause. And they'll come back. To, they'll go away and they'll go, that was one of the best things I've ever seen. Absolutely. People love that. Which is why people build it into their act. A lot of people do. You know, the old fashioned. Oh, really? Com- comic, comic performers. They would build in things going wrong. Ah, it would that's be part of it, you know. It would be a bit, so it's a, bit staged, a bit of mug, a bit staged, and yeah. a bit, a bit obvious. To but it still fooled lots of people. Pantomimes constantly. Right, I, I did, right, um, right. you know, I've, I've done Dame in pantomime a number mm. of times, and uh, and if I say to people, they say, "Oh, we saw you in pantomime years ago. You were it was funny. It was good, good pantomime." I say, "Oh, wh- wh- what night did you come?" They say, "Oh, we came the night your wig fell off." <laughs> Oh no! And you think, yeah, happened every oh, night. Oh no! But it's lovely, you know. I yeah. mean, that's, that's part of the process, isn't it? That you are, in a way, you're supposed to be fooling people. Yeah, you're true. supposed to make them believe. Yeah, and the fact that they have, you know, yeah. Those I, I, I did. Yeah. I did a thing in pantomime once where, um, which I really enjoyed doing. When I had the idea, I said, "Should we try this in the pantomime?" And people said, "No, no that's not how a pantomime goes." And I said, "I know, but that would be what's exciting about it. It'd be different." Yeah. I said, "You know, it always starts with the." big overture and then on comes a fairy or something and that's what happens yeah. at a big dance routine and a song I said we should start that and then have the orchestra stop bit of an embarrassing pause and then I'll come on in a dressing gown and curlers and say I'm really sorry we're not quite ready <laughs> uh, one of our cast didn't turn up they're late they're stuck in traffic so uh, if you could bear with it I said oh, you know it's been a tough and I'd do a little routine of jokes about you know oh, what a year I know it's a, this is typical, isn't it? Typical, you know. I mean, I've, I love playing a dame because you can be, you can pretend to be a woman, but everyone knows you're a man. You know? <laughs> yeah. So you can be as rude about yourself as you like. So I'd say, oh, still, I'm looking all right. I'm looking slim, aren't I? I've slimmed down, yeah. Yeah, oh, I was fat in the summer. Oh, I did put on weight. Yeah, I was so fat. You know, I was lying on the beach. Greenpeace tried to push me back in the sea. <laughs> yeah. Those sort of gags. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's great fun. So I do that, and I say anyway. I said, oh, look, she's not on till the second act. Let's start. Let's just start and see. Oh, She'll be here. Don't worry. Come on, let's start. Shall we start? Lovely. And then we go into it. And every time I came on, I would, when I was on my own, I would look into the wings and say, is she, is she here? Is she? She's not? Okay, right. No, she'll, she'll be here. Don't worry. She'll be here. Yeah. And I did it every time until we came right to the point where late on in the second act, the Sultan's wife was called on to do the, the dance. Yeah. And I would say, bring on the Sultana. And... <laughs> So I know it's Panto, <laughs> and uh, and and I, then I'd look and go, ah, yeah, no, no, that's the part that she's supposed to be playing. So right. we haven't got anybody for that, I'm afraid. <laughs> so uh, thanks for coming. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, oh, oh, hang on a minute. No, hang on a minute. And I, as the dame, will have spoken to someone in the audience, and mm. you know, do that thing that you do, where you like you do with stand-up, where you sort of, in a way, know some of the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd feeling them out and thinking who would work. Mm-hmm. And I'd find some woman who was fun. Right, yeah. And I'd say, you could do it. Brilliant. You could. You look just like her, actually. Have you got the costume on? Her? And you could do it. It's easy. 
come on, come on, and you get them up on stage. And it was like the generation game. We sort wow. of got them up and fed them the lines and everything. Yeah. And I can't tell you, I only told that story because, again, that was one of those things where people would stop me in the street and say, love the panto, love the panto. Oh, last night was amazing. I said, well, it was when that woman didn't turn up. You know, oh, but it's lovely that you were so good. It's like Les Dawson, is it, with a piano, playing it badly because he could play it well. Yeah. It's the same as that. You knew exactly where the panto was going, and that was... Yeah, I, it was just wonderful. I don't know if this is what this is to do with anything. But no, no, but, but it's, all, it's all part of it, isn't it? It's all, it's all part of the conversation. About it's part of that having home. the nerve. You know? yeah. I, mean, I think that in life, having a nerve is a good thing. Having the nerve to take a risk. Mm. Having the nerve to go for something. Yes. And then if you don't get there or it doesn't work or you fail, then go for something else. Well, Have another you go. It. At, you know, least, at least yeah. you've had a go. It, it, you'll never know in life unless you try it, yeah. I think. And that's the thing. It's like yeah, you must have... As, as successful as you are there must have been a lot of rejection as well along the way that you have to deal all with all the time yeah. and it's same with what I do it's just the amount of times you email somebody nothing back no. and on and on and on and it's, it gets soul destroying but you just have to keep you have to keep doing it yes it's weird isn't yeah. it yeah it's, it's one of the most challenging parts of being a performer I think is the developing the skill to deal with the rejection to people say no not you mm. which they yeah. do all the time all I mean time. every now and again people say yes you and yeah. you go oh really oh great oh thank <laughs> good for I've been waiting for that you know but in the meantime you may have been for 15 auditions and they have basically said no not you no not you I know I've had that I've had I remember once it was for um Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them or something like that. One ah, of those films. Yeah. They wanted me to play a New York, uh, like a an engineer or builder or something. And I just could not do a New York accent. Couldn't do it. And they went, we really like you, Rich. But I'm like, no, I can't do it. I can't. I could do a really <laughs> crap American accent, but not a specific, like, New York. I just couldn't do it. Uh, and it, and the more I tried to do it, the less I was looking at the camera. Yeah. I could feel myself turning away. So, and then the woman, like, so I wasn't listening to the direction. I was too busy. It's weird, isn't it? Just knackered it straight away. I think often in those situations, if, you, if you're analysing yourself as you do it, you will see the faults in it. Or yeah. you will go, that wasn't quite what I wanted to do. That wasn't as good as I expected to do it. Mm. And so you will constantly put yourself off. Yeah. So I think in a way you should just try and block it out that and go for it. And that's experience talking. That's what yeah, that is because I, I've done that. I've been in that situation many times and gone, ah, didn't quite hear that. Ah, and I'm concentrating on what I'm doing rather than doing it. Yes. And um, that's what I was doing. Yeah. I should have just done a crap accent. Just do it. Yeah. I mean, Bob Hoskins got away with it for years. He did, didn't he? It was terrible, his accent. <laughs> and yet, you know, Americans w would say, amazing, amazing yeah, accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go, is it? It doesn't sound like yours, though. Amazing. Yeah. You know, and I've done that. I did exactly that for years when oh, I really can't do an American accent. Oh, I don't know. You nailed it in Ghosts. Well, yeah. When you were the Vegas singer. And I genuinely, for a minute, I'm like, wow. And then you, when you went, hey, there's kids out there. <laughs> well, you nailed, yeah, nailed it. So, well, uh, that's again, just doing it occasionally in front. I'd, before that, I'd done a thing called Avenue 5, right. which is a thing for Apple TV or HBO, mm. an American thing. Hugh Laurie in it, but a lot of Americans nice. set on a spaceship. And uh, I turned up in it. Great part. Played a paedophile. <laughs> Uh, and that's where you're at now. Never, never obviously, that's that's the position my career has got to. <laughs> yeah. You played the young call, the paedophile, Father <laughs> Christmas. 
<laughs> but um, it was fantastic. It was a very, very funny thing. Ianardo, um, Armando Iannucci mm. writing it, just brilliant. Uh, anyway, I I did that, and I went in thinking, oh my god, this is really where I get found out, because these are all Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Hughes American accent is amazing. Yeah. You know, and there was Rebecca Front on it who was doing it justice. Oh my God, that's so American! <laughs> you know, everybody. And I thought, here we go. And I did my line, two of the American, and he went, "Great accent." Oh. And I went, "What? That's <laughs> really good." He said, "You Brits, you know, often the thing you get wrong is, uh, for example, you have to say water." Yeah. He said, and that's with a D, water. Yeah. He said, you Brits, you just can't help saying water. <laughs> yeah. And I went, oh, shit. Nailed it. Uh, all these years I've been worried about it. And <laughs> just did it. I just did it. And that's it. It's, just, dude, it's that, 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 in you, that thing in you that pushes you on. Mm. Is that, and all it was is just like, yeah, just do it. What's yeah. the worst that's going to happen? Yeah, and I think that actually that is, it keeps you sane. Do you know what I mean? I think you can spend a lot of your time with regrets. You can spend a lot of your time worrying about things. So I'm, I very rarely get worried about doing something now, which means it's that my work is really easy. Yeah. You know, the, the only thing you, that holds you back in those things is, is oh, my God, am I going to do it right? Mm. Am I going to get this wrong? You know, whereas I go along going, well, it doesn't matter if I don't get it right or get it wrong. Yeah. And the chances are I will get it right or I won't get it wrong because I've done it lots of times before. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like someone asked me the other day, like, do you get nervous with comedy? And I'm like, it's not really nerves now. No. There's an apprehension because you're like, I want, because there's a death coming. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. There's going to be one around the corner at some point. <laughs> and you know, is this going to be the one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there's that. It's an apprehension, but it's not really nerves because you've been doing it for so long. Yeah, quite. But I remember the nerves when I when I first started. Terrifying. Mm. I used to be terrified. I couldn't. I wasn't very. I was quite a shy person growing up. So being out in front of people, entertaining them was just a horror show for me. That's amazing, but, really. What what yeah. brought you there? What? Just, I mean, I know I a lot of actors know. who are. Yeah. Uh, just hate almost hate being noticed. You know, in, in life, right. in real life, they just go, oh, God, people are looking at me. Yeah, of course. And I go, well, yeah. you go on stage and everybody looks at you. <laughs> it's sort of your job to make them look at you. Yeah. What are you doing? It's funny, isn't it? Maybe they feel comfortable because it's a character on stage. I Maybe. know there are comedians that are characters mm -hmm. that can't do it themselves. They have to be the character. Yeah. Now, I always think so, Rowan Atkinson is a prime oh, example of that. He's yeah. one of the quietest and shyest and, you know, has a slight stutter. When he gets tired That's and things it. like that, you know, you go, wow. Yeah. And then he does, I mean, I think I've worked with him on a number of occasions and I've known him for a long time and what explains his skill is his dedication. He works incredibly hard at everything, mm. you know. If you look at like the Mr Bean movie, he does this dance in it at one point that looks like, I mean, it's supposed to look like he's making it up on the spot. Yeah. It looks like he's making it up on the spot, but it's it's genius. Yeah. And that's because he would have done that dance routine. Figured um, it all out. Oh, every single move, every face, every hand gesture. He knows yeah. exactly what he's going to do. And then he does it as if he's made it up. It's fantastic. Well, I, I mean, this, I, I'm, I've, I, I've always loved, I love film and I love acting. Mm. And I've done a bit of it and I'm like, oh, yeah, I actually like this. <laughs> it's really good fun. I mean, you must have worked with some incredible people. Amazing, yeah. Yeah. 
And who is who is there anyone in particular that stands out? You were like, oh, I can't believe I'm working with this person. Uh, well, for me, that was when I was young, you know, mm. um, to a large extent. Uh, I mean, now I've got used to the idea that these people crop up in your life, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and also generally the experience is that they're absolutely like everybody else and they have no side to them they're not uh, aware of it you know i did thing with with timothy spool recently and oh, and uh, he was very generous to everybody kept taking us out to dinner and every time would buy the dinner lovely and and eventually people were saying tim you can't stop buying the dinner yeah. and he said no nah, it's all right no no harry potter money <laughs> and what a lovely way to ha have he's an a attitude towards yeah. that sort of thing i've heard he's a lovely man yeah yeah Amazing. yeah yeah it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you. I've really enjoyed this. I was, like I said, I didn't, it's one of those things, like, like we've just said, like, you know, famous people pop up in your life all the time, but it's still surreal to me <laughs> to be sat today with you, Mike Fenton Stevens. Thank you so much for coming down. Rich, it's been a it's joy. It's been an absolute joy. Thanks, mate. Thank you. And don't forget, Phil Harding. <laughs> lovely. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming and podcast production.